Hello, my friends, and welcome back to Oblivion Spin Presents. I'm your host, Eric, and we are here with episode four of The Eagle. Last week, James went around and found out that things were running just fine without him. After a disappointing time at Ren's ceremony for his promotion, James was stabbed in the back hallway. We left him where Maury was taking him to her place to hopefully stitch him up. The room was dark when James regained consciousness. He lay still and waited for his eyes to adjust. He was lying in a bed which he was sure was not his own. His left side was sore and itched somewhat. There was something light and warm across his chest, something slightly heavier and warm resting in his armpit. It took him a moment to register that it was a woman next to him. She lifted her head and spoke softly. You awake, Maury? Mm-hmm. She rested her head back on his chest. How are you feeling? He turned his head and smelled her hair. She smelled of licorice. Truthfully? Yes. Confused. He wrapped his arm around her shoulder and took a deep breath in, which made him aware of the pain in his side. He winced. And maybe a little in pain? You were stabbed. That is not the part I am confused about, Miss Mori. She stretched her arm across him before retracting and breaking away. I was too tired to stay awake and wanted to be sure you could not roll onto your side and hurt yourself in your sleep. She moved to the edge of the bed and stood up. James could only see her in silhouette, but he could tell she was only wearing a shirt and her britches. She grabbed something off the dresser next to the bed and held it to her face. Are you really putting that thing back on? She considered for a moment and put it back on the dresser. I suppose it's rather pointless since you saw me out of costume. James had not seen her face, but he did not say as much. Maury stood next to the door. Do you think you can get to the bathroom yourself or do you need help? James was suddenly aware of how bad he had to piss. He sat up carefully and swung his legs one at a time off the edge of the bed. I should be fine. Where is it? Maury opened the door she was standing by and gestured into the room next to it. She then came in and let James steady himself on her as he walked. I will help you bathe in a bit. She flicked the light on in the bathroom for him, standing off to the side in the shadows still. I am sure that is not necessary. Now is not the time to develop shame or pride. I am not risking your stitches. James shut the door and relieved himself. He spent a moment looking in the mirror afterwards. The spot over his stab wound was covered in white gauze with a strip wrapped around his stomach to hold it in place. He was suddenly aware that she had to have undressed him, cleaned him, stitched him together. His facial hair had grown in a fair bit of stubble. He splashed water on his face and neck before heading out into the rest of the apartment. The lights in the front room and bedroom had been turned on. He stood in the hallway and glanced around for a moment. The dwelling was big, larger than his, and looked suspiciously to be senior official family housing. The lights in the ceiling did not dim on and off automatically, so it was outdated, not exactly well upkept. He walked into the front room clumsily. Go lie down. Maury spoke from the kitchen. The light was off, and he could not see her face clearly. He sat at the breakfast bar and peered in. Go lie down. I will bring you in something to eat. James ignored her. How bad was it? Not as bad as you thought it was, but not exactly great. Maury set a bowl of soup on the counter along with a roll. Sorry I do not have any stale pancake on hand. James took a spoonful of the soup and brought it to his mouth. He was still watching Maury from the corner of his eyes. Why bother with the hood when you're so good at keeping your face obscured? You must blend right in out in public. Not really. Maury flicked the light on in the kitchen. 
Her hair was pulled back in a loose braid, and with the light on it, it looked like a pile of straw that was smoldering from the inside out and about to burst into flames at any moment. There were dark circles under her eyes, but her cheeks were a healthy pink. She smiled with one corner of her mouth. James dropped his spoon into his soup. He swiveled in his chair slowly so that he was perpetually facing her as she walked around the breakfast bar towards him. Hello, Mr. James. I think I need to lie back down. Maury helped him up and walked him back to the bed. She pulled the sheet over him before leaving the room. She returned a moment later with the soup transferred to a mug for James to drink out of. Maury sat on the edge of the bed next to him while James ate slowly and quietly. He finally set the mug down on the bedside table. Why did you save me? The hell kind of question is that, Mr. Porter? You know, if I were gone, you'd end up running corrections. I already run corrections. James shut his mouth and thought for a moment. Maury patted him on the thigh. I'm awfully fond of you, Mr. Porter. I would not let you die for a minor career boost. Then I'm a luckier man than I deserve to be. Maury blushed. James smiled. He reached out to touch her cheek. She turned her head. This is why I wear the hood. One pretty word and I turn from death incarnate to rosy pink schoolgirl. She stood and gathered the dishes. If it is any consolation, I'm still scared of you. Maury turned a brighter pink. Watch your tongue or I will cut it out, Mr. Porter. She turned her back to him. If you need anything, holler. I have a few shirts I have to get mended and you should rest. James watched her leave the room. Wait. She paused in the door jam. Would you rather I call you Poppy or Maury? It is still Miss Maury to you, fucker. She pulled the door most of the way closed behind herself, so just a thin stream of light came into the room. Now get some rest. James strained his ears to listen to her rustling around the front room until he finally fell back to sleep. When James woke up again, he was unsure how much time had passed. He felt as though it had been another night, but light and little noises still seeped in from the front room. He stood in the hall for a moment and watched Maury mending his shirt on the sofa. She looked up at him. Are you ready for a bath? I ought to take your bandages off about now anyhow. He was thinking of a reason to object, but she was already running a bath before he had thought of anything. You ought to know how bathing works. Undress yourself. She stopped the water from running in the tub. James stood naked before her and held still while she carefully removed the bandage and inspected the sutures. After she was satisfied that they looked well, she helped him into the tub. You did not run very much water. No. She left the room and came back with a book and a washcloth. It is better if you wait a few more days before getting your stitches too wet. She sat on the floor next to the tub. Lean forward. James did. Maury wet the cloth and rubbed it on the back of his neck and down his back. She wet the cloth again and got his shoulders. The room was silent except for the water dripping into the tub. James turned his head to the side to try to watch her. When my stitches are all healed, I promise I will wash your back as often as you like. That is kind of you to offer. She pushed his shoulder back gently and leaned his back against the tub. She leaned over the edge and washed his feet, calves up to nearly his thighs. James was somewhat tempted to splash water on her white shirt. He could tell when she leaned forward that she was not wearing a bra. She touched his thigh lightly before grabbing his hand and forcing the washcloth into it. James considered the washcloth for a moment before looking to Maury. She was focused on a book titled Pre-Apocalyptic War Crimes. He smiled. I hope I did not make you uncomfortable. She closed her book partway and looked at him. Why would I be uncomfortable? James bit his lip and raised his eyebrows. Maury laughed. Are you embarrassed about your erection? 
She returned her attention to her book. You're comically naive if you think I've never seen a cock before. James began to wash his chest. Mind your stitches when you get your stomach. She turned the page and did not look up when she spoke. This thing's worse than any knife wound. Maury closed her book partway and looked at him again. Do tell what stings, Mr. Porter. He did not make eye contact with her. I'm apparently less interesting than pre-apocalyptic war crimes. Maury set her book on the ground next to her and leaned into the tub. She held her face so close to James's cheek that he could feel her eyelashes. I do not want to rip out your stitches, Mr. Porter. I worked hard on those. She kissed the top of his jaw right under his ear very lightly. But I'm glad you're feeling well enough to want me. She pulled away and picked up her book again. James suddenly felt very warm. How long until I'm healed? Maury smiled into her book. We still need to talk about the other night. She glanced in at James. Are you done? He nodded. Maury helped him up and out of the tub. I did not mean anything with the pocket knife or offering to walk you home. I was just trying to be nice. I did not mean it when I said that you were going to get us both fired, either. Maury gently dried James off, starting at the shoulders. Good to know, but neither of those things are what I thought we needed to talk about. The getting stabbed thing, then? He held still while she knelt down and dried his legs. Mm-hmm. She lightly groped him through the towel. You are at least as interesting as pre-apocalyptic war crimes. When she stood, James wrapped his right arm around her and held her to his chest. I have a secret for you. You know I like secrets. James kissed the top of her head. I'm rather glad you're Poppy, too. Maury let him hold her for a moment before pulling away. She smirked. Just because I saved your life does not mean I'm in love with you, just for the record. James held his hands up. Just because I'm happy you happen to be both of the women I rather wanted to fuck does not mean I am either. Get yourself dressed, Mr. Porter. She tossed a pair of briefs and cotton shorts at him. Do I get a shirt? Maybe when the novelty wears off. I think I'm really going to like your scar. James dressed himself and followed her back to the bedroom. Ren was right. I do have a peculiar taste in people. James's face went pale. What day is it? Maury considered for a moment. Thursday? James sat at the edge of the bed. Does anyone know I'm not dead? I am assistant to the head of corrections. I know how to handle an incident. After I got you stabilized here, I called Dante, informed him of our pending absence so he could manage the schedule, and got Ren's number. I informed him that you were under my care and that I would have you call him when you were feeling up to it. Maury left the room for a moment. James rested his head back on the pillows. He was tired again. Maury handed him his communicator and pulled the sheet onto him. Do you need anything else? No, thank you. James waited for her to leave before dialing Ren. As he waited for Ren to answer, he realized he had no idea what time of day it was. Hello? Did I wake you up? James? Do my ears deceive me? You really are not dead, then. Not yet. Look, Ren, I am sorry. Put me on with Maury. I want to talk to her. James frowned for a moment. He looked up from the communicator. Maury, he wants to talk to you. Maury came in and climbed on the bed next to James. The way she leaned over, he could see down her shirt. Hello, Ren. Ah, Maury. Might you be so kind as to privilege me with your address? It seems I have a good excuse to pay you a personal visit. Of course, Ren. James reached down Maury's shirt and pinched her nipple. She glared at James, but otherwise kept her composure. Are you aware of Belmont Senior Official Housing? James pinched her harder and twisted a bit.
Maury grabbed his wrists and dug her fingers into his hand. James pulled his hand away and shook the pain off. The defunct family housing under corrections, correct? Yes, I'm in house 414. There's a park just outside the front door. It's difficult to miss. You'll need to take one of the side entrances and use a corrections master key to get down into the housing. That will not be an issue. I will be down shortly. I'll keep James alive until you get here. Much obliged. Are you there as well, James? Yes, Ren. Thank God you are all right. The communicator clicked off suddenly. As soon as it did, Maury slapped James across the face. What the fuck is your problem? She crawled back off the bed and walked to the dresser. She pulled the rest of her uniform items out and sat on the edge of the bed putting them on one by one, starting with her stockings, then boots. James could not tell if she was actually mad or not. You're not really going through all the theatrics for Ren. Maury tightened her corset and laced her gloves. I really do prefer to keep Maury and Poppy as separate as possible. So you were humoring him for your own amusement Monday night? Humoring him? We were having a conversation before your drunk ass came over and interrupted. He is a very cordial and interesting man. No humoring about it. Maury looked at James. Oh, did that make you feel all left out? Is that why you had to make a little scene? She put her hood on and pulled it over her face. I hate to feed your ego. Trust me, I do. But quit the fucking pity party, Mr. Porter. Just because the world could go on without you does not mean you would not be missed. You're sloppy, but you're not unneeded. You heard that? You talk pretty loud when you're drunk. There was a knock on the door. Reinforcements have arrived. Maury gently ran her fingers down James's hip and thigh before leaving the room. He shifted uncomfortably and pulled the comforter over his lap. He could hear Maury and Ren in the front room briefly, before the door shut and he heard nothing. James sighed. After a moment, the door opened again. Ren walked into the bedroom suddenly, looking a bit older than his age. James noticed a few strands of white mixed in his dark red hair, and that the lines under his eyes were deep purple. When he realized Ren noticed him staring, James looked down at the floor next to the bed instead. Ren finally spoke. I'm having a difficult time deciding, James, if I should raise my voice and read you the riot act, or if I should collapse to the floor and start weeping. James did not say anything. You are a lucky, lucky man, James. James mumbled. I know. Ren came and stood by the bed. He put his hands on the nightstand and leaned forward with his head down and arms outstretched. You are so lucky she cared enough to save you. I know. She could have just called the medics and left you to bleed out while you waited for them. Hell, she could have just point-blank left you there to die. I know. You should have seen a man coming at you with a knife, James. You are not a junior official. You have been with the department for 14 years, James. How many men have we incapacitated who have come at us with knives? I know. You made an absolute ass of yourself Monday night. I should have made you stand there at attention until you sobered up. This has got to stop, James. I know, Ren. Ren raised his hand and slammed it against the nightstand. He quickly turned and looked James in the eyes. You do not know, James. You do not know how this affects other people. Have you considered for a moment that not only are you not well enough to perform your duties as head of corrections, but due to your injury, your second-in-command is also out of work? 
You know where she is right now. She stepped out to go into her corrections, continues to run smoothly until you are well enough that she can return to work. That was her first thought when I said I could stay with you for a few hours. Not that she could get groceries or go check in with any other obligations she might have, but that she needed to tend to your duties. You outrank her by two full ranks, but you would not know that by how she runs things. If you recall, you are supposed to be THE James Porter. Kills men with his bare hands, hunts down criminals. Now you are just James Porter. Stabbed in the back hallways while perfectly well-armed after getting drunk off abandoned champagne at an official ceremony. Ren took a deep breath and wiped his eyes. You do not know how this affects me personally. Do you think I am fine? Do you think I'm handling it well since Luna died? Since the man I viewed as my little brother murdered her in cold blood in her sleep? Do you realize that every person I have ever cared about is dead or gone except you? Ren put his hands on James's shoulder. You are all I have left, James. You have often joked about my mental health and instability, but you are not wrong. I need you to not be dead, James. James closed his eyes. You had better cater to every damn whim of that woman for the rest of your life. You might be the luckiest man alive. James looked at Ren for a moment. I know how lucky I am, Ren, and not just because of Mori. I'm sorry I gave you something to worry about. Ren sat on the edge of the bed by James. I need to know I can count on you. Especially right now, James. Things are changing in the world. You can count on me, Ren. Ren looked at James. I want to believe that. I really do. But I know I cannot. James looked down until Ren looked away from him. Ren shook his head back and forth slowly. I love you dearly, James. You are my closest friend. I wonder if I'm not being harsh enough on you, but I cannot bring myself to fire you after all we've been through together. I need you. This is your last chance, James. If your sloppiness leads to another brush with death or other issue, you're out of corrections and demoted, provided you manage to survive to be stripped of rank. That is more than fair, Ren. Ren spent a moment taking deep breaths and slowly exhaling. James watched him quietly. He had made fun of him many times before, but he knew it was how Ren calmed himself down. Ren's mood shifted, as it always did after the deep breaths. He stood and turned towards James. Let us see your scar in the making, then. James turned the blanket down at his hips. Ren studied the wound. She did neater work mending that than medical would have. She does know a thing or two about knives. Ren chuckled. Are we good, then? Ren looked at James for a moment, his face sobered. You should consider yourself exceedingly fortunate that you have befriended both Mori and myself. Had you not, one of us surely would have killed you by now. If you thought I had a few things to say about your behavior, I take it that she has not spoken to you about it yet. I'm thankful you are well, but I'm still enraged that you let yourself get to this point. Ren fixed his sleeve cuffs. I brought you some of your personal items as well as some books so you do not get bored. Would you like me to bring them in for you? Before James could answer, Ren had gone and come back with a pile of books. He handed the first one to James. I read this one recently. It details the change in time over torture techniques in prisons. He continued to describe each book in the pile while handing them to James one by one. They were mostly to do with corrections, with a few miscellaneous books mixed in. When he finally got to the end of the pile, Ren was quiet. Ren? Yes, James. You're a better friend than I deserve. I am well aware, James. James breathed a single chuckle inward. I was just making sure. When James had dozed off, Ren had been sitting at Maury's desk, working through a pile of paperwork. James woke up to the sound of Ren and Maury talking in the front room. He strained to listen. 
I cannot express how much I appreciate this. Please, if there is anything your little heart desires, do not hesitate to tell me and I will make it happen. That is kind of you, but I assure you I'm not looking for any reward. I certainly did not mean to imply that you were. I'm afraid I'm not sure how else to express the depth of my gratitude, Mori. My apologies if I have caused offense. Of course not. I appreciate the gesture. It was silent for a moment before James heard Ren's voice again. You look exhausted. You look like shit too, Ren. Ren chuckled. I must say I admire your nonchalance in matters, among other things. To be truthful, I was inspired by you. I have always admired your work. The fact I inspired someone like yourself is the sincerest piece of flattery I've ever been granted. Ren's voice lowered so James could no longer make out what he was saying. With all due respect, Ren, what makes you think I would be any less lonely elsewhere? I did not expect you to take my advice. I gave it rather selfishly to soothe my own conscience, and perhaps to indulge my fantasy of what it would be like to have a time machine. I'm sure, were I to talk to myself then, we would have had the same conversation. Rumors do not do you justice. You neither. There was a pause for a moment before Ren continued speaking. I will be back by tomorrow afternoon, then. If you're sure that you can spare the time. Do not worry about it. I only need two hours to take care of things at Corrections. I'm not letting you throw away your alter ego over James. I will stay as long as it takes for you to go out and attend your other obligations, or even just have some time to yourself. You've already done plenty for him. Good night, Maury. Night, Ren. The door opened and shut. Locks clicked. Little noises shuffled around the front part of the house. James had kept his eyes shut while he listened. He did not know what to make of what he had overheard. Without seeing any of their gestures, the tone was impossible to decipher since Ren always spoke calmly and cordially, and Maury always spoke on the thin line between threatening and flirting. Depending on if Ren had been fixing his sleeves or rubbing the bridge of his nose, and if Maury had been standing still or swaying slightly, they were somewhere between being on the verge of eloping and making an oath to hunt down and kill each other. James opened his eyes when he heard the bedroom door open. Maury was in her full costume, hood and all. Go back to sleep, it is just me. She started undressing as she walked towards the dresser. James turned his head to watch her. The lights were off in the bedroom, so Maury was only lit by light coming in from the hall. She was slender, her skin pale and flush. After she had stripped nude, she stood at the dresser for a moment and yawned before picking up a shirt and a pair of panties. She kept her back and sighed mostly to him. Maury? She turned partway to face him. You need something, Mr. Porter. James stared at her. I cannot sleep. Maury turned her back away from him, stepped into her panties and pulled them up to her hips. They were black and form-fitting. If you would like, I could smother you with a pillow until you pass out from lack of oxygen. I promise I would not hold it there long enough to cause brain damage. She started to put her shirt on. Her torso was long and slender. When she stretched, James could see her muscles. I would try not to cause brain damage anyhow. You really are beautiful. Maury stopped putting on her shirt and looked at James for a moment. She looked too tired to fully smile. Maury walked to the edge of the room and flicked off the hall light. You sleeping out there? As soon as he finished asking, he felt a gentle tug on the far side of the blanket. No, why would I? Last I checked, this was my bed. James reached out his arm to touch her, but he could barely graze her back with his fingertips. Maury rolled over so she was facing him. Are you sure you would not like me to smother you? 
He ran his fingers against her cheek and down her neck. I'm sure. Maury sighed and moved closer to James. He put his arm under her shoulder and pulled her close until her bare chest was against his and her head on his shoulder. He kissed the top of her head. I always assumed you were a skeleton under your uniform. Her skin was warm and soft against his. That is the point of the costume, Mr. Porter. He pulled her up slightly until they were face to face and kissed her on the mouth. She put her arms around him and kissed him back softly before resting her head on the pillow with her mouth next to his ear. She leaned into him, her legs slightly on top of his, her breasts against his shoulder. I should not be indulging you so much. James rubbed his fingers down her side, gently brushing against her breast and down to her hips. Why not? You know better than to be afraid of me. She laughed quietly before gently nipping his earlobe. I'm not afraid of anything, Mr. Porter. She ground herself against his hip bone slowly. He began to tease her nipple. Maury lightly bit at his jawline. She reached down and rubbed his inner thigh. After a moment, she stopped and pulled herself away. He turned his head towards her. Is there something wrong? I do not want you to get the wrong idea. I swear the only idea I was getting was that you might want to fuck me a bit. Obviously. She climbed out of bed. We just need to have a talk about your behavior before you start to think you lead a charmed life. Where are you going? To masturbate in the loft. We can talk about this tomorrow. Please do not go. Why not? You afraid of the dark? Now that you mention it, I do kind of miss my nightlight. Maury laughed. She climbed back in bed. You're rather useless with your stitches anyhow. James reached his arm out and pulled her close again. That is not entirely true, is it? He ran his hand down her stomach and into her panties. She was clean-shaven and very wet. He rubbed the wetness against her clit before inserting a finger inside of her. Maury pressed her hips into his hand and moaned a bit. For the record, you did not need to get stabbed to do this. James kissed and nibbled gently along her neck. Relax, this is the least I can do for you. Maury reached down to stroke his cock, but he was already doing so with his left hand. I told you to relax. Maury giggled. You know I do not take orders from you. For the record, Miss Maury. Hmm. I would have been happy to do this at any point in the last three years. Maury squirmed. What took you so long, then? I was rather afraid you would cut my hands off.